2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live at one. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by SpannersReady.com, We Live F1, and Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsports station. I'm your host, SpannersReady, and I'm joined this week by Downforce boss, Jake Sanson. Thanks for joining me, Jake, and filling in for Matt Trumpets in Gay Paris.
4: Oh, well, I'm hoping he's enjoying Paris. I kind of wish I was there as well. But uh, yeah, no, fantastic. Uh, thank you for making me the honorary American tonight. Well,
3: That's not actually true either, is it? No, because we do have a a few Americans in our back pocket. They add a little class, a little something. Jake, uh, us podcasters and commentators, uh, we talk about motorsport. We walk the walk. No, we don't. We talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. Except this week, you emulated Nigel Mansell with a bit of real race car action in a specially adapted race car.
4: (laughs) Especially adapted in that I could fit in it, yes. They must have Uh at
3: least (laughs) stiffened the suspension.
4: Uh, they didn't, actually. No, there wasn't a major amount they changed. Well, yeah, I was invited by PDC Racing to go to Alton Park in Cheshire uh, for a track day. So uh, yeah, I got to sample some proper racing machinery in a Vauxhall Nova that races in the stock hatch in the 750 motor club and in a Porsche 924 that races in the British Racing Sports Car Club's Toyota's Porsche Championship. I had a ball, an wow. absolute ball. Wow. Well, I mean,
3: what did you learn from that? I presume this is your first time in a proper race car on a proper racetrack.
4: Uh, well, yeah, I've done some oval racing before and uh, I've done some karting before, but uh, in terms of racing on an actual proper racetrack, yeah, this is the first experience of driving a race car on a track. I had Pit Hammond and Gavin Johnson to coach me through the day. They were fantastic. They really coaxed me to bring me out of my shell. And by the end of the test, I was actually... I was fast enough. I, I was told I was fast enough to be on the back three cars on the racing grid. Well, so I, am- could, yeah. I, I could have been, you know, at the back of the grid and com- competitive. That's in actually that class. that's actually
3: amazing. So do you think that's yeah. going to change the way you commentate on events like that now?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. I've learned an awful lot about what racing drivers actually have to do to push a car to its limits and the difference between driving fast and driving like a racing driver. It's actually quite different because you can drive fast and be, you know, pretty rapid. But being a racing driver is a lot tougher because you have to push the car faster than you think you're comfortable going, but be (laughs) smooth and be precise and be, you know, just so with the gear changes, just so with turning throttle has to be exactly the right point to get the good. It's so tough. You know, I've got such a better appreciation for racing drivers, not just at Formula One level, but any level. It's so tough.
3: I mean, I'll ask how your stomach dealt with it because my kids were pushing me to drive my Peugeot two thousand and eight, like a race car, and I thought, okay, I'll appease them by putting some G force, you know, on the round. I mean, uh, chicane's uh, and by braking, you know, enough to lift them out of their seats. Uh, but actually, because we were in Milton Keynes and it's it's chicane after chicane, I succeeded in making myself feel sick, and they were there going faster, Dad, faster. But um,
4: did you manage to sort of hold your dinner down? Do you know it's funny? A lot of people get queasy after pushing it to that a bit. I genuinely didn't. After about sort of four or five laps, I was actually getting relaxed at going faster. So I was, I was feeling, you know, really confident, really smooth, and I kind of wanted a few more goes at it. But, uh, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to get out there and do something else again. But I just want to say here and now a huge thank you to PDC Racing, to Gavin, to Pip, to Esther, to all the mechanics. You know, they did a fantastic job and made me feel very welcome. And uh, I feel a lot more like I know what a racing driver is actually capable of now. It's awesome. And you managed to speak to
3: Sir Chris Hoy, amongst others, which you can hear. Did you put that on uh, pit board on
4: Downforce Radio? I- Yes, the last edition of Pitboard, which uh, was a very pivotal one for Downforce Radio, because as a result of that show going out, we smashed through half a million listeners worldwide, which is absolutely fantastic. And that's such a milestone for Downforce Radio as a channel. We're so grateful to everybody for being involved in that. But yes, the Pitboard Show had uh, Sir Chris Hoy and Jason Kenny uh, with 12 Olympic gold medals in cycling between them. They have six each, of course. Uh, they've both become professional racing drivers. of late, And yeah, such great guys. And the whole interviews uh, with them are on the last edition of Pitboard. Go check it out on downforceradio.com.
3: Excellent. And of course, I think at downforce radio on Twitter and at Jake Sanson. So there's all your plugs out the way at the same time, Jake. Absolutely. Yeah. All done. All done and dusted. (laughs) Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. For those of you just finding us, we are an independent podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com, but we also have a fantastic relationship with Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsports station. We aim to bring you your race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong. But we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here. So you can play this with kids in the background or in the car and at work. Uh, This week, we are going to quiz our guests uh, to see who has the best F1 knowledge this week. Um, The subject of that, I believe, is launches and testing. We look at the launches we've had this week. And find out who our panel is rooting for in the inter-team battles. All right, joining us, we have a uh, an esteemed array of people that we will get to know in more depth during the show. We have Goldie Alex Goldschmidt. How's it going, Goldie?
5: Evening, Spanners. Evening, everybody. Yep, everything's going well. Looking forward to a great 2017 racing season because mine started back in January. Ryan Ferret
3: Ferris from Downforce Radio. Hi, Spanners. And from America to add a bit of class, Vortex Motio. How's it going, Ken?
6: Howdy, cowboys. How's it going?
3: (laughs) You sound like off the telly. I love having Americans on. (laughs) All right, Jake, you'll be laughing on the other side of your face before we go to big dirty news. You are going to be tested, sir. Are you ready? Uh, As I'll ever be. Your topic is testing. Testing. Which driver had to skip the opening race in 2014 due to a mysterious accident during testing?
4: I believe that would be the Williams driver, Valtteri
3: Bottas. Is no, right? it was Fernando Alonso on turn three oh, of Barcelona. Yes. Come on, the mystery jink to the right hand side. <laughs> he blatantly oh. passed out. I don't allegedly passed out. I'm getting Idiots. good at this. Uh, Pascal Wehrlein is missing the first test this year as he recovers from an accident at the Race of Champions. Who was he racing against?
4: Uh, well, I'll stick with the Williams theme. That was Felipe Massa. I
3: one point. One point. Good. Which team controvers- <laughs> controversially and allegedly illegally tested with a current car and drivers for Pirelli in secret in 2014 but escaped sanctions? Oh, that would be AMG Mercedes. It certainly was allegedly. I, I said allegedly. True or false? Uh, Michael Schumacher tested in Ligier in 1994. Uh, he did test at in Aligier in 94. That is true. He also tested for Sauber in 1997. Which driver was going to make a sensational comeback for McLaren in 1995, only to be too large to fit in the cockpit?
4: <laughs> I remember it well. It was Nigel Mansell.
3: That's great. You have some amount of points now. I think you've got four, actually. So there we go. Two left. Which driver crashed in a test of the new Pirelli wet slick tyres last week?
4: I'm going to guess it was Sebastian
3: Vettel. This is ridiculous. You're getting five out of six. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> and what is the name of Ferrari's very own test track at Maranello?
4: Ah, that is Fiorano. Fiorano. For on it, six out of seven,
3: Jake, that is going to be very, very hard to beat. Let's go on to some Big Dirty News. Big Dirty News. <laughs> <laughs> so... Big dirty news. Topic one is launches and liveries. Now, I know, Ryan Ferret Ferris, you are the resident person here who really cares what they look like. You like the pretty red one or the pretty pink one with a blue bow. Let's find out what you thought uh, were the highlights and lowlights of the car launches. But first, Ryan, in general, what's your first impression of the 2017 car from a, you know, from a sort of spirit point of view? Does this feel like Formula One to you? Oh man,
4: they
7: look absolutely amazing. Uh, I think with uh, Force India, sort of uh, possibly borderline the uh, the uglier out of uh, the uh, all of the bridesmaids. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think they definitely look really nice this year, especially now they've added the uh, not the fart thing, uh, the shark fin. Uh, which I think is quite nice. But uh, I believe uh, your opinion differs,
3: Spanners. Oh, to me, I think it sort of, it makes it look a bit cheap. It's the sort of thing IndyCar would have. And it it fundamentally changes the profile of the car side on. So instead of sort of sloping away to the back, you know, you you come up to the air intake and then it's just a straight line. I don't know, for me, it'll take some getting used to because to be honest, all the cars, even the 2014 cars look ugly until you get used to them and then they don't.
7: We, yeah, and uh, a lot of them have uh, changed the air intakes but of uh, the airbox above the uh, driver's head. But um, I think if I was to go uh, on one of the liveries that I uh, sort of find very most interesting, it's got to be the new McLaren livery. because, And this is where I'm going to go full-on English GCSE on this. I believe that the McLaren livery is, in fact, three liveries merged into one livery, which uh, symbolises the beginning of McLaren, being orange. Then you've got parts of white in the livery, which uh, symbolises when they were with uh, had Marlboro as their uh, sponsor, so they had the red and white. And then you've got the black, and in fact, part of the side pod looks very much like uh, when they used to be sponsored by West, when Mika Hackenham was racing for them, because it's uh, sort of a, a black with like a white sort of dot in it. And it also has the Bruce McLaren
3: Kiwi on it. And uh, just before we go to Jake and find out what he thinks of that, a uh, big hello to the chat room who's joined us on YouTube, on the Spanners Ready channel. Just a quick hello to the guys who've said hi. Esteban Garcia, Paul Wright, Ray Parker, Sam Williams, uh, Evangelinos. Oh, I'm just going to leave it at that because I got your name wrong uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, all you guys, thank you. You're very welcome. And I will monitor the chat as best I can. Jake, is was this the promised return to McLaren's history? Because I, uh, I was a little underwhelmed when I saw it.
4: I think people should be positive about it. I mean, we've been screaming out, haven't we, for decades that McLaren should be back to Orange. And so McLaren did as they were asked by the fans. They went Orange and nobody's satisfied. It's a bit ridiculous because you know it's just unfortunately it's kind of a, a fulfilling prophecy that you know sports fans are never happy with anything they're given even if they're given what they want me personally I think the car is stunning absolutely stunning I liked the fact that they decided to listen to the fans and give them what they wanted they've given a nod to their heritage the white in there for the you know the vintage Honda colors of the 60s is bold in there as well I love that and, you know, they're doing a little bit of the current modern era along with their heritage. I think it's fantastic. And personally, I think two or three races in when they're starting to knock on the door of podiums, which I still am convinced they will do, particularly with Stoffel van Dorn, I think people will be, uh, I think they'll forget it quite quickly. I think it's an
5: awesome livery, So sexy. Yeah, I mean, coming on to what you were saying there, it's nice to see the uh, Taroko Orange making its well, you know, its its well-respected return. And I think Zach Brown said, look, we listened to actually what the fans said, which was good. Um, I I do like like Ryan's dissection of of the Herald's back to it with the uh, with the flying Kiwi actually being stuck on there, because there's going to be this big uh, documentary apparently about Bruce and how McLaren was founded later on this year. So that's uh, another thing to look forward to. But, yeah, it wasn't until I actually saw photos of the car in sunlight that I really actually got a true measure of the paintwork, because when they when they put it in the technical centre, it's all very dark. It's meant to sort of accentuate the colour, but I don't think it did much of it until we sort it out. Saw it out on track finally. I think it does. It not look
3: like a manner to you, Ryan?
7: <laughs> um, well, I did see a picture of some Fanta Zero, and the can of Fanta Zero <laughs> did look very much like the current McLaren, but. Aww uh i mean you know the color scheme's still good i uh do like the car and the weird thing that i do find about it is the sort of the winglets on the nose you know it almost looks a bit like gills so it's actually yes yeah, so it looks like a gills for the shark then it's got the shark fin so yeah that's that i just thought about that yeah that's pretty cool that
5: <laughs> but actually coming back to what you were saying about gills did anyone notice the rear wing on the car It's actually got quite a few gills on the back of that as well, and it's angled as well. So there's a lot of aero possibilities that we're now seeing coming through to 2017. Now, speaking
3: of aero possibilities, um, as a Tech Time regular Vortex – Motio, uh, obviously we couldn't get summers on this week. Matt's in Paris. Catman's still, oh, my baby. I need to look after my baby. So, I mean, you're the next down the register for tech. Generally, what are you seeing from, uh, you know, these cars? We've had a good look at them. They're wider. They seem a bit longer to me. Uh, this shark fin is apparently helping keep the downforce in the corners with your, what's your general impression of from what you've seen?
6: There's two different directions and. And one of them is taken by the world champions uh, Mercedes. And that is that And it, it, quick way to see it is by the rake. And, and so Mercedes has stayed with a relative flower no rake, and they are, it's winglets galore on that silver piece. Well, at the same time, on the very opposite end, it seems like we have uh red Bull, and, Um All I saw was that kind of preview picture or whatnot. And so looking forward to seeing that piece tomorrow, but what I noticed was had that rake, and it also had something that uh, really excites our friend Summers, which is that there's a certain elegance to uh, a Nui-designed car, and that is shown on this year's uh, Red Bull. So I, that, to my mind, is kind of the two extremes and the two best, obviously, uh, chassis builders that everybody else is trying to raise their game to.
3: All right. Uh, You might want to do a little reset there, Ken, as you're you're dalek quite badly. Um, But hopefully that will settle down. Maybe it's just the Skype demons. Uh, But Ryan, you've told me what you do like. What do you dislike?
7: Uh, What, about the McLaren or about the
3: the other uh, opposition sort of...? uh, Well, generally it helps if you listen to the question, but uh, yawn. I'll express it one more time. Well, you
7: you know, (laughs) I'm young and all that sort of stuff. Why why do I want to listen to an old fart, you know?
3: Ryan, which which launches and liveries did you not like? Uh,
7: well, you know there was the uh, the Force India. They sort of uh, went for a very questionable nose that I alluded to as being something inappropriate. But um, yeah, I think the Force India is possibly the worst on the grid. Uh, I quite like the Sauber. Um, the force. Yeah, okay, Indi- okay, so
3: the question was, which is the worst one? So the force India. Yeah, I
7: know. I've said it's the force India. The right, force okay. India
3: is the worst on the on the grid. No, I don't know. Is this right? Is this uh, sober Ryan that's th- being difficult, or is it too drunk Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> really, really hard to tell. Um, but. <laughs>
7: Interesting. You asked me what's the worst, and I told you what's the and worst. And then
3: you, and <laughs> then you, India? and then you waffled on for another two minutes about Sauber. Uh, Ken, uh, with the Force India though, isn't it interesting that the fork nose—it's basically the same fork nose, but they've just sort of trimmed a bit off the front.
6: Yeah that's very interesting and I'm kind of glad that they're continuing with that um to my mind though I'll say the uh, worst one if we're talking strictly uh <laughs> if we're talking strictly livery is got to be the american uh team haas and the reason is and I've dressed specially for this I've got my blue sleeves <laughs> my bright orange shirt formula 1 this year we have color on the grid color We shouldn't be shades of gray and black. And that's got to be one of the great things about McLaren. As um, Alex mentioned, Zach listened to the fans, went retro, threw that uh, bright color in there, orange. It looks bright in the daylight, supposedly. And that, I think, is the most positive thing, except for that, that darn American team A lot of grey on there. I'm not a fan. But
3: but it's not grey. It's not just like, you know, the the dull silvers that we had on about eight cars last year. It is gunmetal grey. It looks like a fighter jet. It looks like a tank, a battleship. And I absolutely love it. Jake, you're with me, aren't you?
4: I absolutely am. Yeah, I genuinely think the Haas F1 for 2017, that with that color scheme, it is the Formula One car that James Bond would race if he was a Formula One driver. I think it just looks so cool. And it's incredibly dynamic, incredibly uh, voracious in terms of its looks. If, if, if it goes as quickly as it looks, then that thing will be on the podium regularly in 2017. And you've got to think about it in terms of, you know, that's the second year for a brand new team with a lot of ambition, a lot of motivation. They've gone very aggro with the aero, which is incredible to see for a brand new team. they two drivers, incredibly motivated, Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnusson. I think they could be the dark horse this year. A lot of people have been speaking about some of the other teams on the grid. I genuinely think we could see some fireworks from Haas this year, and I really hope we do. Uh, Ray Parker in the chat room says, grey is a colour, kind of. Uh,
3: Paul Wright suggesting that the Ferrari's ugly. I'm sure we'll get to the Ferrari in a minute. Um, Alex, what was your thoughts on the Haas?
5: Um, I am going to sort of say this: If Dieter Gass and the people at Ingolstadt want to actually sort of reprimand them for their design, they're more than welcome to it. Because if you <laughs> notice on the shark fin, it's it's very much a um, sort of like a, it, it is a combination of black, white, grey, red, which pretty much you you we saw up until last year on an Audi NMP1 hybrid prototype. Um, but yeah, I do have to agree with Jake. It does look really good. But the the car that's really caught my eye, it's the Toro Rosso. It really is the Toro Rosso. I, I just thought, well, first of all, if anyone did notice on the actual front of the wing, um, by the actual nose, which looks very Mercedes-esque, there is the Italian flag because obviously the team is based in Faenza in Italy. Um, but the blue that they've gone for, it shows that we are going to have... A serious amounts of colour uh, on, on the grid so you're going to be able to tell the cars apart this year as well which that, is a good thing
3: that's a that's a good thing and, and i really would love it if they made more of an effort to tell the drivers apart yes you've got the number or whatever but if the drivers could have their own little flash on the shark fin or something like that like a quick identifier i'd really appreciate that so from a purely aesthetic point of view alex goldschmidt what's what's your top pick is it's
5: it is the Toro is the Rosso, Toro. I have to say. I have to say it's the Toro Rosso, hands down. It's just what they've been able to do with um, James Key and the team. Literally, I think a lot of us in the chat looked at it. As soon as I posted a picture in earlier on when it got revealed, I just thought, wow, that's just brilliant. Just really looks brilliant. But like you say, with regards to if they actually have the three letters of the driver, maybe somewhere identifiable, maybe on the, the side of the end plate on the rear wings or on the shark fin, that could probably help a little bit.
4: I tell you what, that Toro Rosso is so bold. And I think one of the things about Toro Rosso as a Formula One team over the last three or four years at least is that the Toro Rosso F1 car has only looked a slightly deeper shade of whatever colour Red Bull is going with that year it's never really looked that different and it's never had its own personality I think the last time the Toro Rosso F1 car actually had its own personality that deviated away from what Red Bull was doing was 2008 when Sebastian Vettel won in Italy Uh, that season that was the only time really it looked slightly different and it didn't even look that different this year they've gone no we're our own team we are we are different to Red Bull yes we're the junior brand but we are actually our own team and a lot of the people in Toro Rosso they have a friendly rivalry with Red Bull they kind of want to go up against them and go do you know what we can actually do better than you so I think it's a great step forward of independence for Toro Rosso to kind of step out of the shadows of Red Bull and go well yeah you've got a good livery hasn't changed much in the last 10 years we can do better and they really have it looks amazing.
3: Yeah that's like us taking like a top a top podcast like uh, This Week in Tech and saying, "Yeah, they're really successful. They've got a great uh, formula, <laughs> great contacts." We're just gonna we're gonna step out of the shadow of great podcasts like that. Uh, no, I don't know. I just if they're gonna be the junior team, I think the idea should be that they just kind of keep the same spirit and get as close to that team as possible. And if they were very close, then fine, uh, go off in your own direction and go off in your own spirit. But they're really not.
4: Well, it's interesting because their livery is a more youthful version of what Red Bull has done. So it's quite clever because they are the junior team. They are for the younger generation of Formula One drivers. So they've actually in- in kept with the spirit of the team and the image is great.
3: All right, then. Well, I think Ryan used up most of our time on this with his mindless drunken waffle, but we haven't <laughs> gone to Jake and Ken yet. So uh, let's, let's say just Jake and Ken, let's find out what's your what's your best and worst, briefly,
4: Jake. Who won? Uh, Who won? Uh, It's difficult because I knew who my favourite was until I saw the Toro Rosso. uh, And now I'm not sure if the Toro Rosso is actually better than the McLaren. Personally, everybody's been dissing the McLaren to high heaven. I love it. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. And I I think it's going to be somewhere between the McLaren or the Toro Rosso. My opinion might change in the morning once I've actually slept on it and the Toro Rosso will look better than the McLaren. For now, it's McLaren. I think it's amazing, beautiful, followed quickly by the Sauber. I actually think the Sauber is really quite impressive. In terms of the most boring and bland, I don't like the Renault. I thought I did at first, but I don't like the Renault. I think oh, it looks so as if cool. Pastor Maldonado's been given a test drive in the early livery, the all-black one, and has crashed into the back of if the yellow just one. If you said something, so... I didn't
0: hear what it was.
3: Oh, hang
4: on. My phone. Hello, Google. Google's just
3: piped up to... <laughs> Interrupt the podcast. Uh, apologies for that. Um, no, I think you're wrong about the Renault. I think it looks super cool, but let's see. like I say, these cars, they really do take a, a, a while to grow on you. At the moment. Yeah. I think the McLaren looks like one of those sun-faded barbershop twirlies things that they put outside to, to indicate who they are. But who knows? Maybe it'll grow on me, Ken. What looks pretty?
6: Okay. Well, I'm going to step out and be a little different and please our Tafosi fans and say that I like the boldness of that Ferrari. And I like that they've taken a lot of the white out of that thing. And it's a red, red beast. And I'm excited to see what that thing's going to turn out to be. But they, um, it's, it's quite interesting, uh, to see what they've done. And that might reflect, you know, the big changes that they made rather late in the season. I mean, it was in the spring that Mr. Allison left, but nonetheless, um, it's pretty exciting uh, okay. for them. And, and so Yeah. And and what bad, and what car
3: made you made you, you know, so sick that you would betray your secrets to Russia?
6: <laughs> well, and so for I guess I'm gonna stay with you you know, I gotta say, even though I, I diss uh Haas for choosing Gray, I'm and, and actually as far as gray is concerned. I love that kind of, a, there's a creaminess to that color that I've seen so far. I kind of admire that, but I'm so pleased. And I'm so, well, I'm so tired of all the black and gray and silver that's filled our grid for the last two seasons or so. And I'm so jazzed to see all the color that we have on the grid this year that um, I'll probably just stay with uh, dissing Oz. i I wish... I, I like that color gray. I just wish they'd used a little bit more red or and or white and uh, to balance it a little more.
3: Excellent. So um, the chat room saying that the Haas is sexy. That's Gary Gerhardt. The McLaren is amazing too. Gary, you've seen the McLaren with the black and white reversed. Me like, Sam Williams says, can of Fanta. Uh, where have we got? Uh, Gary's also saying, miss you guys. Can't wait for this season of podcasts. And this season, the best place to find us uh, will be on iTunes or um, your podcatcher of choice on Android. If you're really stuck on how to find the show, go to at Missed Apex F1 on Twitter at Mist Apex F1. We've got all the instructions on the pinned tweet of how to subscribe, but generally go to where you find your podcast and search Mist Apex Podcast. But make sure you do subscribe. Don't find it piecemeal. Don't rely on me posting it on social media because I am terrible at remembering to do all of those things. Ken, Vortex Mortio, why is it when I talk to people like Bradley Philpott, um, uh, Will Buxton, Alex Van Jean people who are the, the top carters, they talk about you as somebody who's, uh, you know, helps them out with, with timings and is a very informed gentleman. What's your involvement with these guys? Um, particularly the British, uh, racing car championship, R- rental cart championships.
6: Well, it uh, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but it goes back to 2011, because um, I was checking my files, and um, I started following it back then, and it fell out of a situation where a bunch of my racing buddies in Southern California had gone to Phoenix for uh, what was known at that time as the International Karting Championship, or something similar. I've messed that up, but in any case, they came back, and they were talking about this British guy uh that had a funny name of bradley philpot and he was wicked fast and he was a really nice guy everybody dug him and he was also a um a driving instructor and so i was following the british rental karting championship and a couple of years ago he did bradley did a wonderful thing he did a live draw uh for uh placing all the drivers in the grids and he had uh four rounds of heats uh 10 drivers uh nine heats per uh round and so it ended up being 360 draws of names out of a bucket and the live draw went on for 2 hours on this video and I saw that and I thought you know that could be so much better so I created a system form where you draw one name out of the hat and it automatically populates on a spreadsheet where they're going to be located uh for all four and I did that a um Uh, last year for them and it worked out pretty good they used that system this year and i guess folks liked it well they're very fond of you as we are and having you on as
3: an f1 commenter and ridiculously underfollowed on twitter i i think it's because it's hard to spell so let's make sure people know where to find you because you always stimulate good conversation on twitter it's at vortex and if i say it
6: motio that spells it better doesn't it m-o-t-i-o that's correct, yeah. It's kind of the Latin spelling of um, motion or power, M-O-T-I-O, Vortex Modio. You're boring. Let's find out how much you know about F1
3: with your round of the quiz. So, you have liveries as your subject. Which band, which musical band helped launch the McLaren car in 1997? Oh, good heavens.
6: <laughs> Uh, well, I have no idea, so I'm going to guess um,
3: you too. <laughs> uh, if you want to be my lover, you'll have to do better than that. It was the Spice Girls. Uh, what was odd about the 2011 McLaren launch? Um, 2011. This is way harder than Jake's. <laughs> uh,
6: was I'll give you a clue. See. It was a public engineering spectacle. Uh had something to do with um, the launch in the city of London, by chance, or
3: no? I'll uh, I'll, I'll alleviate you of your pain. The te- team built the car from scratch in front of the media in a public square in Berlin. Which team wanted to run two liveries in 1999, but ended up with an asymmetric zipped design. Oh, that
6: was the uh, fabulous bar team. Yeah, that's right? fantastic. That's, that's uh,
3: yep. That's one point. Uh, you get two points, in fact, one for each side of the liveries. Which team ran hey. in camouflage? Hey, last...
4: wait a minute! No, wait a minute! I didn't get two points for any of my questions. That's unfair, Jake. I think the so sooner sense, the sooner Jake <laughs>
3: accepts that I wouldn't allow him to win the quiz, the better. Oh. Uh, which team ran in camouflage last year in testing? Red Bull. Red Bull racing. There's a there's a guy uh, down the road with a Porsche and he did up his car in homage to that. But uh I guess well, <laughs> it looks terrible just in his drive but never mind. Uh what was the when was the last time McLaren ran in orange colours?
6: Oh good heavens, that would be um
3: all right, I'm gonna go with uh seventy one. They'd actually did it in two gone gone, Ryan.
7: I'm um, not 100% but is it something like 2004 they did it during testing 2006 there we go I know right the,
5: I know that I know the, yeah I know the driver as well who was actually behind the wheel of that car was it do it was Gary Papitt Gary Papitt yeah
3: <laughs> True or false Vortex Mortio Ferrari have always run in Italy's national racing colors of red
6: well, there was a um, situation where they had their NART uh, team run in the uh, North American, or the U.S. colours, I believe. So you were so saying false,
3: false and false. that
6: has given you
3: five points. A very respectable turnout, unfortunately.
2: Hey, what a <laughs>
3: Calm down, Sanson. You're in the cheap seats now. This is Ken's moment. Five out of seven, and not enough to usurp Jake. So he's still in the lead. Uh, we have to say that these questions have come courtesy of Catman F1, and you should definitely follow him on Twitter as well. Um, he is an F1 journalist. He writes currently for F1 Fanatic and chat room. Um, fantastic that you're playing along. Um, but I can't possibly interact with that due to the twenty second delay. But no, absolutely great that you're playing along, and uh, I'm glad that can be something you can participate in. All right, let's go to our news next. Uh, next news item, which is the inter team rivalries. Okay, it's not a news item. I just want to yell at you for your incorrect loyalties for next season. So I don't want to know really who you think will win. Although we can pay lip service to those, um, to that in the team rivals, I kind of just want to know who's your guy, who are you rooting for? So let's go, let's go team by team and let's talk about Haas, uh, Vortex Mortio, the American team. Who are you rooting for to win that inter-team battle? Um, I,
6: well, I guess, uh, I'm a fan of, uh, well, I got it. so normally I don't root for drivers, but I'll just cut right to the chase and say I'm rooting for Grosjean. I I like that guy. Jake,
4: I think it's gonna be Romain Grosjean as well. I think he's well established. Magnussen, I think he's already peaked. Unfortunately, really, I think he's. I, I'm not sure he can go further than he's already gone. So because when yeah, they dropped when they
3: dropped Perez, obviously what they said was, well, there's nothing against Chico, but we we have Kevin. I mean,
4: they could not have talked about him in in higher terms. And in the junior formulas, he was sensational, but I think he's just been given, I think he's done another Sergio Perez. I think he's just been given the chance too soon. And I think it's kind of ruined him a bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in WEC for 2019, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I think Grosjean will beat him this year and that
5: will hurt. You're going to make that three for three there, Spanners, because I'm also going with Roman on that one.
7: I'm going to go Grosjean as well. Uh, you know, uh I don't know, Magnuson. I think he has still got a bit left, but I think Grosjean has uh, got the uh, wiser head on younger sh- on young shoulders as well.
3: Okay, you're all wrong, unfortunately. Uh, good try, <laughs> good try, but unfortunately, Kevin Magnuson is definitely the man you should be rooting for. This is a guy; he's very much still finding his feet, and I think I think it's unfair uh, to say that he's peaked at such an early phase. If we're talking about peaking drivers. I'm surely we can talk about Roman Grosjean, who had his uh, two minutes of glory in a lotus. Uh, he was very, very flattered by Kimi Raikkonen. So, uh, my man in the house this year will definitely be um, Kevin Magnussen. Nothing to do with my Danish family whatsoever. Okay, uh, <laughs>
5: okay uh, no bias. Good,
3: good. <laughs> no bias at
5: all. So, Shame on you, Spanners. <laughs> uh,
3: a big gap then at McLaren will go to you, Ryan. Do you think that Stoffel Van Dorn can upset Alonso? Who do you want? to win this battle
7: uh i want alonso to win it uh pure purely because i, I don't know uh i think so many people are uh, putting alonso down as being oh yeah he is the best driver on the grid i actually want him to he's got a great teammate this year i mean he had a good teammate last year as well but if people are making it out that uh Van Dorn is the be-all-and-end-all sort of uh, young driver. I want to
3: see Alonso, you know, beat him to it. And uh, Felix in... Oh, no, not, sorry, not not you, Felix. Oh, I must say, actually, thank you to Felix in our Slack group, which I'll talk about later, because he helped me make sure that I picked the correct... Uh, desktop computer because my poor old podcasting PC died. So thank you very much to Felix to who, who, you know, like I look at the specs and I think, oh, i7, oh yeah, that looks good. Oh, 3.5, uh, gigawatts that I've heard that in back to the future, but to have like a tech guy actually, you know, look at those figures and go, yes, that, that will achieve what you want to achieve is absolutely fantastic. But, um, also in the Slack group, uh, P, P right 48 says, um, I kind of want Van Dorn to lick Alonso. maybe kick Alonso? I don't know about lick. Oh yeah, oh no. That's that's an image I don't want. But Jake, what does what can we what can we glean about Alonso if Van Dorn does end up beating him this season? Do we say he was always overrated? Do we say this is him past his best? Um, you know, what's on the line for his reputation and his legacy this year?
4: Well, he made a statement at the McLaren launch that he'll make his decision about his Formula One future in the summer. And to me, that sounds like a guy who's already got one foot out the door, which is a shame because that's Fernando Alonso. You know, that's a guy who's won two world titles. But let's not forget his last world championship was in 2006, guys. You know, the longest period between one championship title and the next one is Nicky Lauder's from 1977 to 1984. And I genuinely don't think you can do that anymore. I'm not sure Fernando Alonso has what it takes to be a champion again, not necessarily from his own driving, but he's in the wrong team with the wrong package. If he'd have managed to get the second Mercedes drive, then yeah, I think he might have been able to have one more crack at it, but I do think Hamilton would have beaten him. Uh, But no, I think Van Dorn will beat him at McLaren this year. And I kind of want that to happen just because I want to see Alonso say, enough with Formula One, I'm going to Le Mans. I think we all want to see that, really. Uh, Sam Williams says in the chat,
3: I want Van Dorn to win. Uh, Esteban Garcia, Van Dorn, he could be a surprise this year. Do you agree, Ken?
6: Oh, I I am very excited about Van Dorn. Um, but it is gonna be his rookie year. Um he's he's highly respected by people that I respect a lot and uh I'm expecting great things from him. But at the same time, um I think I I gotta disagree. I, I think Alonso uh still is one of the best drivers on the grid today, that if he was in the right equipment, he could definitely Uh, fight and win a championship. He still has that. He was very young when he won his uh, last championship. And um, so I, I think it's a great benchmark, though, for Van Dorn. We'll see how he is at the end of the year.
3: So actually, we could have a dual outcome here, Because uh, Forsaken in the chat saying, considering Van Dorn was the first to score points last year for McLaren, he reckons Van Dorn is the real deal, and he says he's more than confident he can beat Alonso. But we could see two results here, because we see a two-time world champion, he's, what, 36 years of age, he knows Formula One inside and out. He could beat Van Dorn on points and consistency, yet still lose the moral battle if Van Dorn shows himself to be, you know, truly talented, over a few weekends and then builds that consistency in future seasons. So a very, very interesting um, season at McLaren.
5: You haven't asked me who I'm thinking about with regards to McLaren. Have you, Spanners? Um, because you asked me this question late last year, if I remember correctly, that we could potentially see Van Dorn coming in. I think the words that you used were come in and spank Alonso. <laughs> and I'm glad that someone did actually say about the fact that a lot um, Van Dorn did go into the car substituted for Fernando and got McLaren's first points last year. And that's without any real testing behind the wheel of the car. So I'm going to go with Van Dorn on this one. Sorry, Fernando, we know you want to go to Lamar. Make it happen and go to Porsche. Too right. Rather more predictable, we have
3: the Mercedes garage. Ryan, I'm right, aren't I? Uh, uh, Valtteri Bottas doesn't stand a chance against the great Lewis Hamilton, who you love uh, now because you're a real Brit.
7: Well, you know, true patriot. We- True Patriot, I don't think Lewis Hamilton's a two, true Patriot, but, you know.
4: Um,
5: <laughs> you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Ouch.
7: I'd put him more down as American than a, uh, than uh, British nowadays. Oh, monégasque,
4: but, surely.
7: But, uh, any, but anyway, uh, enough said about, uh, you know, his uh, whatever. Um, but I'd be rooting for Bottas, you know. Because I, you're
3: unpatriotic and you want the British <laughs> driver, the British three time world champion to lose. Disgusting. Paul Wright agrees with me. Hamilton! Bottas will be very solid, but Hamilton will just outpace and outrace him. Forsaken says, Yup, could not agree more with Alex, presumably about Alonso. But Jake, you've downforced radio. British flag flies high all over that website. You are backing our man, Lewis Hamilton, to
4: easily beat. Valtteri Bottas good as he is absolutely Hamilton 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 all the way Bottas will win four races in 2017 and they'll be very good races too but Hamilton will absolutely walk it that is his team that's his baby that's his little uh, universe I can see Bottas doing a good job in places like Barcelona uh, potentially you know Hungary a couple of places but I think Hamilton will just walk him it's just going to be what happens
7: now I think Bottas, because well, one if uh, Hamilton sort of gets his way and they ban the uh, use of data between teams, I've oh. heard um, I've heard from uh, people at uh, Williams saying how ridiculously brilliant he is at the setup of uh, the car and uh, general feeling for the car. So if it does come to the point where uh, say they're not allowed to share data I think when it comes to that sort of thing I think Bottas would be on top of Hamilton because it seems Hamilton's more of a Mansell sort of person and drives around the problems
4: Bottas is if Nick Heidfeld and um, my attitude to Bottas is if Nick Heidfeld and Heike Kovalainen had a love child that would be Valtteri Bottas he's just so bland, so boring I, I just don't think he can do enough
5: um, even though he might have a, one of the wildest stress senses in the world, ranging from probably what Bobby Brown or Eddie Murphy from coming to America to even Jay-Z, I'm going with Hamilton because it's his baby. As Jake said, he knows the team inside out. He's their golden child. Um, sorry about all the Eddie Murphy references in there, but Hey, I think it's Hamilton in Mercedes.
3: Yeah. You could have picked, uh, Ryan Reynolds and, um, Marshall Mathers, but you went that way. That's fine.
6: Well, so uh, let me just jump in and say that while Hamilton is definitely favored, I think Botas is sort of the guy to watch because of what Ryan had mentioned in that uh, he is highly rated by people who have worked with him. And yet at the same time, he seems to have uh, a weakness in that uh, uh, criticism has been his his consistency. And, And the thing about The shoes that he's filling, which would be the world champion Nico Rosberg, of course, uh, is that uh, uh, both Rosberg and Hamilton are super consistent. They're operating at a very high level. So he's both just climbing that learning curve and how quickly he climbs that. And then also, if he performs with consistency at the very top level, he has, as Hamilton said, that mindset of a champion, that inner drive, if he shows that, his reputation will be golden, even if he's beaten by Hamilton. But if he shows that inconsistency that some people believe, uh, has, he has uh, plagued him in the past, it's, uh, one and done for both us, unfortunately.
3: Yeah, I I think it's very interesting. You know, he's got a one-year contract and I, I don't know what he can do to prove himself because, you know, if he causes too much trouble, he's out the door. It, it, it's almost like the only way he can secure a second year is to play number two and be a good boy, get himself a couple of years of contract and then sort of try and climb. I think if he fl- flies too close to the sun this season, he's going to find himself out the door very quickly. I think people imagine that Mercedes hate. Lewis Hamilton, but I think they're very, very on board. There's a lot of people who love Lewis Hamilton in that team. Uh, Paul Wright says Bottas is prone to being too clumsy. I think, and Ray Parker, in what might be comment of the week, uh, sums up the inter-team rivalry at Mercedes perfectly by saying, "Lewis, that's." <laughs> <laughs> that, could, that could be comment of the week. So let's, Such
4: a football fan. Uh, uh,
3: so look, guys, um, I, I I would prefer this week to stick uh, talking about the inter-team battles. I know we had a, a topic planned of um, uh, team sport versus driver sport and data sharing. I think we can revisit that uh, before the season starts. Uh, so let's split this in two right now. And let me just say thank you very much to the patrons at Missed Apex Podcast. Who have supported us fantastically. If you look at the Patreon page uh, for Miss Apex, I've tweeted out a few times. But I think you can search Miss Apex podcast in there and find it. Um, this week, I, I just mentioned that my podcast PC had died and, uh, quite a few of them stepped up their pledges, uh, to the, the, the monthly sort of tip jar donations. And it really kind of took the sting out of going, right, I need to, you know, drop some big money, um, on a new PC. It, it took the stress out of that in, in a big way. So I really, really ap- appreciate the, the patrons. They cover the hosting fees for the website. They cover the hosting fees for the podcast, actually storing the podcast on a server on the internet. So in a very, very real way, this show is brought to you by the podcast patrons as, as a bit of a thank you for that. Um, and I'm not saying that hanging out with us in a Slack group is some like amazing thing or anything, but we set up a, a Slack group for the patrons of Missed Apex Podcast to uh, have more access to chat casually to people like myself, to Ken, to Matt Trompitz is in there, Ryan Ferris is in there. and uh...
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
3: Uh, no, we're having a great time in there. That's, um, been up and running for about a month. And I think that's going to be quite good during the season. So I'm not kind of selling it to say, Hey, uh, contribute on Patreon and you get to hang out with us because we're so amazing. That's, that's not how I'm billing it. Uh, this was something we set up, um, for, uh, for patrons. And if you fancy being a part of that, then please go to patreon.com and search missed apex podcast. You have our thanks. So, Goldie. Speaking of um, Goldie things, I'm sure someone said golden earlier. Uh, you, what are you up to? What you always go on about tin tops. You're always saying that somehow the clumsy, uh, almost nightclubby nature of just rubbing up against another car and shoving them out of the way has anything? Has even a patch on our open wheel racing? So, you know, are you are you still defending that?
5: I am still defending that because uh, for everyone that might have been listening to Danforce Radio over the past few weeks, we will be bringing a British touring car specialised show called uh, Race the Roof, which uh, hopefully will have a, a good pre-season title. update. So uh, that's one thing. Um, I've also got some commentary lined up, which I will hopefully be working with my good friend, Mr. Sanson, at some point later on this season. Uh, details to be announced soon. But that's very, very exciting. Uh, DTM. Yes, I'm still 100 percent with that series. I'm actually heading off to Germany to the ha- the home mm-hmm. of uh, AMG, uh, part of the Mercedes brand at the end of March. Um for some uh, exciting developments there. Um, But yeah, I still love my Formula 1, just like everybody else, and I want to see how these cars do. I want to see who uh, becomes top dog in the relevant teams and also who wins the Drivers' and Teams Championships.
3: I like you, Goldie. Do you know why I like you? Why is that? It's not just because your beard makes me feel warm and comfortable, or your spiky (laughs) hair reminds me
5: I am the only one out of all five of us representing the Bearded Nation. You are? Yeah.
3: And it's not just because your spiky hair reminds me of so many beautiful memories of 90s uh, nightclubs. No. Why I like you is because you do have a broad depth of motorsport knowledge. And for those of us who are a bit tunnel vision in our open wheel racing or just Formula One, uh, you broaden our horizons, Alex. So uh, that's why we have you on. Where can people find you on the Internet? Don't tell me we have to spell your German name to find you on Twitter.
5: You do not need to do that to find me on the Twitter sphere, which is at Alex underscore G 1977. Um of course, regular panelist on Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station, recently on Pitboard this past Thursday. Um, but of course, touringcars.net, where you can normally find me dribbling on about my tour at Tin Tops, but that will be happening on Downforce as well. Um, actually, thanks to Mr. Uh, Mister Ken, um, I got some nice information on the British Rental Kart Championship because I was actually co commentating on the Sunday. And it uh, looks like I'm going to be back there next year with James Auld.
3: Okay, and your future of coming back on Missed Apex podcast might de- be determined by whether you do well in your round of the quiz. 6 2B, oh, Alex, no. 6 2B. Oh, yeah. Well,
5: that that might depend on that, but also it depends on how often you want me back on this show as well, Spanners. That's another thing you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good
3: point. So if I want you back on, I should rig it. I, I mean, um, yeah, rig, yeah, rig it. Okay, <laughs> sick, a fan- you know that.
4: sick of fancy gets you everywhere.
3: The numbers round Nico Rosberg retired. Boo. That's not actually written in the, the question. That was ad lib. Uh, so we'll not be taking the number one. Who are the only two drivers in Formula One numbering since 1974 to carry the number one who were not the world champion the previous year? If you can get just one of them, you'll get the point. That's a toughie.
5: That really is a toughie because it normally happens in Formula Three, but never known it's happen in Formula One. I'm going to have to draw a blank on that one, Spanners. Go on, Jake. Can, Seriously. Can, can, can I say one of them? Because I think I know one of them. One of them is John Watson.
3: That's right, because he was subbing for Nicky Lauda and just simply got in his car. Uh, yeah. Alex, after the number one, what is the most successful number in Formula One? Oh.
5: Would it be number five
3: by any chance? It is. I wonder how much of that is down to, I guess, uh, Nigel Mansell
5: and Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel. And Michael Schumacher. And Michael
4: Schumacher in 94.
5: But but the funny thing is, in in one of my drawers here, I actually have a 2009 Red Bull t-shirt with Sebastian Vettel's race number on it as well. Stop rummaging around
3: in your drawers and answer this question. <laughs> oh, Van Dorn yeah, takes... I'll make
5: some accompanying noise as well, shall I? <laughs> Van
3: Dorn takes number two this year. What was his number at Bahrain last year? <laughs>
5: Jake, you're a nerd. <laughs> I, I, I'm seriously going to kill myself because I am a McLaren supporter as well. And I should know this. Just guess. 31?
3: 31? 47. You, you're, 47, you're staying on one point. Who's the only person to win the championship with the number two car? <laughs> Anna Pross. Oh, how Come did on, you I, get that? I didn't get well, and like number that. two, so that is worth four points. Uh, yeah, so you're doing well. What year, <laughs> what? what year was the merit-based rather than historically team-based numbering system introduced? So, basically, in what year did the number one go to the champion instead of, like, Ferrari? Ah, okay. Was it 2008? It was, in fact, 1996, which is amazing, really, because that was sort of my Formula One awakening was in the 90s, and I just assumed the numbering, you know, was like that forever. So, that's very interesting from Catman. Hmm. Who is the only driver ever to use the number 13 Jake, you're a nerd. You know all of these. Number 13. I mean, it would be, you know, unlucky to have the number 13 and have a load of crashes. You'd think that it would cause that. (laughs)
7: Oh, come on!
3: It's not pasta, is it? Pasta Maldonado, you draw
5: level with Jake Sanson.
7: What
3: is the highest number to win the championship? Cool,
5: dear. Um, I don't even know. I mean, I... Actually, is it 22? Oh, so close. It's 27, and you tie with Jake Sanson, so there's
3: a potential tiebreaker in the offing. Fantastic performance from uh, from Alex Goldsmith there. Well, even Jake is courteously admitting that that was a, an amazing, uh, and, amazing and that, performance.
5: And that's got to be the most... Uh, <laughs> the most uh, gentlemanly sneer I've seen in my life for a very long time Lord Sanson. It's, it's great to
4: see that Goldschmidt is as good as me with clues
5: excellent excellent good indeed let's
3: move on then to uh, Force India let's find out who we're supporting in the Force India battle let's go to Ken who would you like who would you like in the Force India team
6: oh uh, Force India uh, I like that North American guy Perez uh, candidly um, although here's the thing I'm really excited about Ocon. Um, I, really, I I think that he may be of the nature of um, Van Dorn, and that he is he has done some wonderful things in the junior formulas. Performs well under pressure. Grabs the points. Uh, very much like his countrymen, uh, Mr. Prost. And I am interested to see if he carries those types of performances in Formula One because uh, he may be driving a silver Mercedes soon if he does.
3: Esteban Garcia in the chat room makes a comment about touring cars. I just want to say I like you, but we frown upon that kind of thing. Has anybody fancy Ocon? Because honestly, I don't think we really saw enough to kind of get excited. There was no like Verstappen effect. Uh, Goldie?
5: Um, well, I'm going to not talk tin tops about this guy because he, he was only in DTM for half a season. But Formula 3 was where he really, really made his mark. He actually won ahead of a, a certain current Red Bull driver. Uh when that's you, you know when you
3: do that thing, if you go, oh, a certain so-and-so, as if we all know, I'm not paying attention and I don't
5: know. Just say well, the name. Well, considering the fact that Esteban's actually taken a longer stage to get to Formula 1 than Max has, Max Bean's... Max has been fast tracked, um, but Esteban's had to sort of wait a couple of years. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Esteban does in the Force India. Paul Wright points out, Paul Wright I, points out, sorry, Jake,
3: Paul Wright points out in the chat room that Perez will be smarting from the loss of high degradation tyres, perhaps one of his major skills taken out of the equation. Sorry, Jake.
4: I think Ocon might actually be a little bit better than Perez. I'm not sure where that comes from, because I actually really rate Sergio Perez. And I think personally, Ferrari should have sacked Kimi Räikkönen and hired Sergio Perez. I still do. I think Ocon might just pip uh, pip him though. I think the future of F1 can be named by five drivers, Verline, Ocon, Van Dorn, Verstappen and Lando Norris. I think they'll be the future of Formula One in years to come. And Ocon is definitely part of that. So this year you could see some very impressive stuff from him.
3: Wake up, Ryan. Who's going to win at Force India? Perez. Cool. Let's move on to. Fer- <laughs> Excellent. Short now, and sweet. I-, I think that as well. i really, am a big fan of Perez and I'm just, I, f- I think I'm like Hulkenberg fans. Maybe I'm as diluted as deluded, dil- diluted. Maybe I'm as deluded as Hulkenberg fans in that. I think Perez is going to come good. And, and I've got high hopes this season. I just, just, if Force India have the ambition to push him forward, I think he is going to be a clear, clear number one out of that pairing. So we're going to go to Salba. Is anybody, and I've got my mean face on now, is anybody going to tell me they're rooting for Marcus Ericsson? Ken, really? Yes, absolutely. Oh, for I think,
6: goodness sake! I think for goodness sake, Ken! There, so if you ask... What is one of the many things wrong with this podcast is that there is so much animosity toward Mr. Erickson, who I think is um, – might be underrated. He's a damn fast guy and – or darn fast guy. Uh, troll, and, you're a troll, uh, Ken. Are you really? And not only that, yes. Uh, I am trolling, actually. Oh, good. It's great to see the visuals of your reaction. i got to say, Spanners.
3: Okay, good, good, good. Good, so we can move on from Sauber. Thank you very
4: much. Unless anyone has some pressing
3: comment? <laughs> uh,
4: uh, no, uh, Ericsson will be completely, totally swiped, even by Antonio Giovinazzi, if Pascal <laughs> Wehrlein can't do the job. Even Giovinazzi will wipe the floor with the man who can't steer around a chicken. It, uh, he hasn't got a hope. No, one past his
5: teammates at Monaco. Exactly.
4: No hope at all for Ericsson. I, I, can, I can vehemently see him in uh, V-Reno 3.5 at some point in the near future he, or something along the lines of that. Uh, he has <laughs> much of the Gutierrez about him. So Ferrari,
3: let's speak seriously uh, about Ferrari, Ken, um, because Vettel really has been out of sorts. He should be absolutely wiping the floor uh, with Kimi, but it just it wasn't quite working out that way towards the end of last season.
6: No, it wasn't. And I think in, in some people that I respect believe that Kimmy was definitely out driving uh, Vettel and Kimmy's weakness became apparent. And, and on Sundays, Vettel would turn around and make good, but Kimmy would be faster um Uh, on Saturday and also at the beginning of his stints and part of the problem is that Kimmy's driving style he tends to use the front tires uh, harder uh, than Vettel and so as a consequence he would go through his tires faster and on Sundays he'd start out fast Kimmy in his stints and wouldn't be able to and would run shorter stints he'd use up his tires so it will be interesting to see how, with the new tires that don't degrade as much, if Kimi, in fact, makes it a very clean sweep on top of Vettel or not. Vettel, he needs to step up his game, frankly. And and the kind of outburst he was doing on the radio speaks of a very frustrated racer who is a little perplexed, and so he needs to come good. I think it's going to be an interesting season.
3: Absolutely. Just jumping back to Sauber for a minute because the chat room says, uh, don't mess with the Swede, Paul Wright. I will clean up that language on your behalf. Forsakenism. What do you mean? Even Giovanazzi at Gio is the future. But you know, I, I think we're saying even at a last minute substitute rookie is going to come in there and and wipe the floor with him. I've heard a lot of people getting excited about Giovanazzi despite the face that Jake Sankson is pulling. Ray Parker says one of the Sauber drivers. Dot dot dot. I think there's 17 salvo drivers on on, on on the
2: books there. Uh, but Jake, yes,
3: Jake going to f- Ferrari. um This is. It feels like it's a bit make or break for Sebastian in his journey against Kimi Raikkonen.
4: It's make or break for both drivers and the whole team, 2017. They've got to up their form. They were completely cakewalked by Red Bull last year. Vettel looked average, shouty and petulant. He actually looked more immature than Verstappen at times last year. And that's going some when people have been, you know, throwing the animosity to Verstappen. I think Vettel was completely disrespectful to every, you know, Formula One World Championship he's ever won last year at times, particularly fans, in Mexico. To the fans, to the support. G-
3: yes, agreed
4: complete petulant child and he needs to completely transform himself in 2017 to get the respect back of a lot of people uh whether he'll beat kimmy or not i don't know and it's interesting ken you made the point about kimmy being faster on saturdays i think i know why and it's that kimmy can only be bothered for one lap uh so obviously he can put his best in for one lap in qualifying that's it great uh but uh, no vettel i think he will beat kimmy I don't see Kimi beating him, but it seems interesting that for the last two years or so, Kimi's actually wanted to try and beat him. Before then, he was like, oh, I can't be bothered. But recently, he's like, no, no, I want to keep my paycheck. I want to hang on to this. So he's trying to make more of an effort. If Kimi beats Vettel this year, I think it could be the end of Vettel's career at a top team. I genuinely think if Kimi beats yeah. him, Vettel will not get another shot with anybody like Red Bull or Mercedes because everyone thinks that Kimi is, you know, on board time anyway. He's on borrowed time so vettel has to beat kimmy if kimmy beats vettel it's game over for both of them paul Wright is defending his language by saying sorry i was quoting a
3: certain rival podcast which is confusing because as far as i there aren't there aren't other f1 pod- no. no i don't i don't think so ryan uh, what do you make go of on. the ferrari battle
7: well I, I i don't know i don't really know who to go for really because i both like them but uh but, you know, I might go for, uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel purely because uh, he's got a good taste in comedy, I hear. You know, he likes his uh, Python and, uh, you know, you know, he, he definitely, I, I Ryan,
3: you're not making a bad point there. He definitely seems like a nice bloke. Uh, he's oh, he just is. he's just not doing himself any favors, it, which is weird because he comes across to me as somebody who wants to be liked and somebody who uh, is, is, you know, a generally likable person in real life yet he doesn't seem to be aware that the way he's behaving and acting is turning a lot of people off him and I think if he could if he could see it from our eyes he would sort of be like oh no I I didn't mean for people to not like me I think he would want people to like him
7: yeah but the thing is the antics in Mexico, I actually found quite funny and I actually quite liked it. Um, you, you know, it's sort of, in fact, my mum, who like never watches Formula One, who says, why do you watch that? Because it's an absolute snore fest. Actually started sitting down and watching it thinking, "God, this is actually quite insane
4: in this. So forsaken. Can in we chap- have can, sorry? Can we have 2015 Vettel back rather than 2016 Vettel? You know, the Vettel that used to poke fun at Hamilton and Rosberg when they were having their arguments in the press conferences. Because I thought that was magnificent. Him trolling Mercedes boys was the best thing about F1 in 2015. <laughs> I want that Vettel back can, again. Can we not?
7: Can we not have both? Because then, like, if we didn't have 20, <laughs> if we didn't have 2016 Vettel, um, we wouldn't have such amazing quotes that came out of his mouth last year. Like, what are we
4: doing here? And all that sort of stuff. I preferred I preferred Vettel in seagulls mode in Canada than I did in Mexico, to be perfectly honest. I thought he was funnier. Trolling two seagulls into turn one in Montreal, that was more entertaining for me. I did not like him swearing his head off at uh, Charlie Whiting. Okay. I think Whiting should have thrown the book at him, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, absolutely. So let's see what the chat room
3: is saying about Vettel. Vettel's problem last year was he had no confidence in what he was doing. I do love Kimi, and I think people still shorthand him. But it's clear that Vettel has little patience with Fer- with how Ferrari have performed. And yes, you could argue that. Maybe he was promised the world and, and delivered uh, nothing. Uh, Kimmy has too few feelings <laughs> and Vettel has too many to fit in a Ferrari Ray Parker. You might be right there. And Paul Wright says, I hate Vettel's hand gestures when he gets pole or, or a win. Ryan, Ferret, Ferris, you recently went to some weird car thing and you posted like the worst Facebook live videos. I, I genuinely yeah. hated you for about half an hour on saturday because it kept popping up but tell us tell us all about it
7: well i went to uh, uh, race retro uh on yesterday which is pretty much uh, it's, it's a brilliant little uh show uh to do with the classic side of uh motorsport you know you don't really see any modern stuff and uh, as in my workplace uh they refer to me as being 75 years old not 19 years old um mm purely because of my tasting Gym. music oh, and music. Uh, mm. yeah and my uh drink of choice yeah but uh yeah it was it was a great festival or show they had uh, the likes of tom christensen there uh they also had uh i think it was harry batten uh, harry batten there who very much like jerry dunlop uh, at the uh, motorcycle show years back stood in the queue with all the uh, members of the public queuing up to go in until someone said, uh, you, you do realise there's like a special entrance for you guys. And he's like, oh, is there?
3: <laughs> uh, and uh, the plans for this season race-wise, we're going to hear some more Ryan Ferret magic on the comms for Downforce Radio.
7: Oh, yes, I uh, I very much hope so, along with uh, my uh, colleague Jake Sanson at uh, Castle Coombe. We it, last season was absolutely amazing and I'm just absolutely buzzing for this season because I don't know what it's going to throw at us.
3: <laughs> Somebody from the Slack group <laughs> said, I just clicked on and I think he's talking about your live stream and it just looked like he was standing in a field. You were so far <laughs> away from the action. That was the worst live, <laughs> live stream video ever. Uh, Ryan. Where can people catch up with you? Because honestly, I know, I know you sound like a dog that's in the process of being put down on this show. But when <laughs> you are commentating, you come to life and it's worthwhile. <laughs> so where should people follow you? Uh, let's start with Twitter.
7: Well, you can follow me at Ferret115. That is IT, not ET. And you could also follow me uh, doing uh, some of a podcast that uh, involves two wheels
3: but you know you, alright you, that- you know go on you plug it plug the stupid bike witchcraft <laughs> show <laughs>
7: you uh, you can find me on uh, uh, mist no not Miss Apex this is Miss Apex, you can find me at Lean Angle Podcast which is also on the Downforce Radio uh, feed the nation's motorsport station and um, you Wait can a minute. also
3: I, find I, me, you're gone, I have to say Jake first of all, uh, Lean Angle, it was coming to spannersready.com but when you lost your bike show, I graciously handed it to Downforce Radio so
4: charitable <laughs> of you, so
3: charitable of you we're very grateful, didn't miss a beat though did we, so uh, Downforce oh? Radio had a bike show continuously and I have to say it's kind of a good one I don't want to say better or worse but better Ryan what else were you going to plug
7: Um, you can also find me commentating with uh, Jake at Castle Coombe you already said that you're
3: a lunatic you're crazy you're like my little boy when like you don't know my boy is smart until you give him a task, honestly, he's like Forrest Gump. Until you like sitting down with pen and paper and actually like <laughs> apply him to something,
4: you go, "This boy, he, is, really, he has concrete in his head."
3: That's what you're like. The, Maybe that's why I like this,
4: you. Uh, some of the very best uh, trolling from you here, Spanners. This is A-grade trolling. Good it's man. not trolling. I'm just hosting. I'm just a man in a shed
3: (coughs) with a microphone and an internet connection. And I've got round four of a quiz. Let's go round again. Opening races from Catman F1. He wants to ask you, what is the only other country than Australia to hold an opening race of the championship since 1996?
7: Since 1996?
3: Yes, that's what I said, Ryan. Uh, You do the answers. I do the questions.
7: Um, Oh, it's not
3: Qatar. That's right, it's not. But that's not how quizzes work. You tell me what it is. No, Um. it's... Oh, for some
4: no, reason... No, accept his
3: first answer.
7: No, his he first said answer. he correct... You're the
4: chairman. He... Accept his first do, answer. Do you
3: know what? You said it's not Qatar, which is correct. One point. Monaco has... <laughs> <laughs> Monaco has never held the opening round of the F1 season. True or false? Uh... I say f- false. False. Well done. You gamed me. It has done so five times in the period between 1959 and 1966. True or false? Four times world champion Sebastian Vettel has only won once at the opening race of the season. Uh, true. True. In 2011 for Red Bull. Name the other Australian circuit to hold an F1 race. Adelaide. Adelaide, well done. I've lost track of the points, but I'd say you're you're definitely edging ahead of Sanson here. Who's the most successful F1 driver in terms of Australian Grand Prix victories behind Michael Schumacher?
7: Behind Australian, behind. Uh, I want to say, I want to say Senna.
3: Yeah, I know you'd want to say that, but what are you actually saying? <laughs> <laughs> um. Ah. Uh, uh, who else could there be? Who else could there be? Apart from... Uh, uh, I, the, no, Raikkonen. Raikkonen, nice one. Jensen Button in 09, uh, 10 yeah, and 12. Um, two questions left. If you get these two, you enter the three-way tiebreaker. Which is the most successful team at the Australian Grand Prix ever? Uh, ever. McLaren? With 12 victories, correct. One more to be in it. Valtteri Bottas did not start the 2015 opening race. Why? Uh, did he have a back injury? He did. Sustained in qualifying. We're into a three-way tie-out, guys. We're into a three-way tie-out. We're into a three-way tie-breaker. So we will do that after we find out who the boys think are going to do best at Toro Rosso, Red Bull, and Williams. So to keep it quick, only pipe up if you have a very strong opinion. Toro Rosso, who's going to win out in that
4: battle? Jake. Uh, well, it's got to be Carlos Sainz, hasn't it? I like Daniel Kvyat, I do, but his morale is rock bottom, and I don't think he's really going to recover this year. I'd love him to, but I think it will be Carlos Sainz. Well,
3: I think it's not so much morale. I mean, his morale might be high for the fact that he held on, held on to his seat. And I know he came, he came in with a good reputation, but I just, I just think Carlos Sainz is a little bit special. It's the wrong guy to try and restore your reputation against. Ryan? I want it to be Daniel Kvyat. I mean,
7: he's uh he was actually starting to uh show uh his morale coming back towards the end of last season with uh, him battling with Verstappen in Singapore and I prefer him over Science, Uh and I want him to do well because I felt that how messy Red Bull made the whole switch over, sort of I want it to be sort of made justice.
3: Alex, you've returned. He has returned, but apparently without audio. Ken, give us your rundown. Everyone in the chat room is saying signs. Everyone.
6: Okay, so let me be harsh then. And I'll just say that, yes, definitely signs. And I think that, uh, candidly... And signs is exciting because if you look at his junior career, he was not showing that potential that would have him being held on to by Toro Rosso. They don't want to get rid of him because they're afraid if they lose one of their top two drivers, he seems like their go-to guy. And it's pretty sad, actually, that Kvyat is still at uh, Toro Rosso, that he's even part of their feels kind of uh, cool. Yeah, the uh, Red Bull. It's not just the morale or the confidence that could be out. I, I think that why he shouldn't be in Formula One is because he got lost, he was too slow, and he wasn't able to. All these guys have the opportunity to work with driving coaches and to examine their performances in detail. He did not do that, and from what I've seen from some people, he should he should have, and he didn't, and I just don't find that excusable that he does not approach his game in that way.
3: Okay, cool. And let me just say that comment. Oh my God, Google! Why? No, it's it's trying to find what I'm saying right now. I'm not searching you right now. I have to seriously. It's playing. Don't now- say
7: okay, Google. Oh
3: no, yeah. Now I have to write one sixteen. Edit out. Google. So um, let me just say thank you very much to the live stream. And let me plug it one more time, because you can find us at SpannersReady.com. Uh, sorry, yes, at SpannersReady.com. Live stream will take you there. Or search SpannersReady on YouTube and click subscribe. Uh, everyone who subscribed gets a notification when we go out. We're going to try very hard to stick to 8pm UK time on Sundays so that you know uh, where to be to catch the live stream. We absolutely love you uh, being in there and getting involved. uh, And we already have...
7: Comment
2: of the Week.
3: Comment of the Week winner this week is Forsaken, who says, Spanners, a man, a host, a shed dweller.
1: Comment of the Week.
3: Red Bull and Williams left. Ooh, where should we go? I think Williams, uh, is a little simpler. So we have vast experience and questionable pace versus possibly raw talent and definitely a sick raw ambition. Uh, who wants to wade in on Williams? Because for me, it's clear cut. Lance Stroll is in there as a number one driver. Unbelievably, he will be the clear number one driver to the very experienced Felipe Massa.
4: Um, yeah, I'm gonna agree with you, Spanners. I think Lance wow. will be better. Than Felipe, I think he will do a better job. I think it's interesting that Martini are desperate to have somebody over the age of 25 to partner him because he's too young for their marketing. That's great. But yeah, uh, Lance Stroll, I think will do a good job. Um, He's certainly had the backing and the motivating to get there. Still a lot of jury out on him based on his uh, barrel rolling antics in Formula Three in 2015. I think a few people are still not too sure whether his dominant performance last year was all money driven. But I think, you know what, he's got his place in Formula One with a team that would not pick a driver purely for money. Williams have enough money there in the bag. Uh, to pick anybody they like, so they've clearly seen something in Lance that they genuinely believe in. Twenty so, million dollars. Well, yes, yeah, I know, and yeah, obviously he's got—he's a Formula One driver with money, but come on, which Formula One driver money? on the grid doesn't have money? You know, it's they all money. got to have money. It's to not get just it. money.
3: It's twenty million dollars. It's not eight million for a Renault seat. It's twenty million dollars for his seat at Williams and twenty million dollars to hire Anthony Davison to teach you how to drive in a three-year-old <laughs> Formula One car. That's not money. That's money.
4: Okay, but yeah, I do think Lance will be better, and I think he'll shut a lot of people up in the process.
6: Yes. Oh my goodness. Jake, 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 I respect <laughs> you so much, and I agree with you so often, and yet you surprise me on this. I think you're wrong on every single count, candidly. First of all, I think Massa may be underrated. He may not be the brightest bulb in the chandelier, <laughs> but he is a fast guy, and that's why oh, yeah, he's he- had such a long career. But uh and and number two. Stroll is – I have not seen that he's really passed his barrel-rolling antics. I mean he had the whole grid in Formula 3 disrespect him in 2015 for being such a a poor driver, unable to drive side-by-side with anybody. And from what I saw when he was in the fastest car – Uh, He won that championship last year. He still wasn't able to successfully drive side by side with somebody else. And there are some drivers that they have that weakness. I look at Mr. World champion Nico Rosberg, for example. He had a hard time with his own teammate, in part because his teammate could drive well side by side. Stroll is a guy that brings boatloads of money. Let's be honest here. That's the only reason he's with Williams. Williams does not have the opportunity to choose just any darn driver that shows up. They have to choose drivers that have a lot of sponsorship. And Stroll is bringing... The biggest sponsorship. I, I think it's a win-win for Williams. I love Williams as a team. It hurts me to say this. It's probably the weakest driver lineup on the yes. grid. And I disagree.
4: I disagree. Williams are not the kind of team that need that because they've got their engineering wing, which is incredibly successful in other areas. So they're not a team that's on the verge of bankruptcy uh so oh. yeah okay there's obviously oh. going to be some links there to let the money come in but i do think lance is a better driver than people give him credit for jake you're right there they do have
3: a business but that doesn't mean that they can pour funds into the f1 team i think the f1 team would right. pretty much you know fend for itself
6: yes yeah, and no, that's exactly right the that that Yeah, because they they do operate those two businesses separately. And so that F1 team, they have been very much the classic garagistas. They mine their pennies and they are very sharp. They do it probably better than any other garagista team, but they still need to make sure their drivers are able to support the team.
3: Against my better judgment, let's go to Ryan. I'm actually rooting for Massa. Oh, God, I hate you. No, just go away. (laughs) Yeah.
7: <laughs> when massa was at is uh at the top of his game it was back when formula one was mostly a downforce orientated uh sport over the engine side now we've got the drastic changes in downforce i'm thinking that these are actually going to suit massa's driving
4: so could we see maybe two or three more years out of massa do you think if he likes the taste
5: of this
7: depending on his uh performance or whether or not uh you know he gets too old that uh he needs you know the the aid of uh
3: Mechanics to take him out the car and have a Zimmer frame off. <laughs> <it.
4: laughs> oh, come on, then! What is too old in Formula One? He's my you know, age.
3: Man? He's my age. Uh, the the chat room generally think that Lance Stroll is gonna get podiums. Uh, some of them reckon it will be a stroll for Lance. Aha. See what you did there, because Massa is clearly over the hill and has been for some time. I quite agree. Lance is going to beat Massa. He shouldn't have been brought back. Massa was only brought back for marketing. I I actually suspect that Team Stroll had a big say in massa going back and I think that, that Stroll is probably wielding a little more power at Williams than is being publicised. And I I was a little bit little bit jaded by Claire Williams's comments that it felt like she was I don't want to say too you know I like lo- I love Claire Williams but it just it felt like she was PR for Lance Stroll and I hope I hope I'm wrong. Let's go to Finally, what will probably be or has the potential to be the most decisive driver battle of this season. And that is, of course, Red Bull. Because if that Red Bull car is in the mix. Sorry, Jake, did you have a point to come back with Williams? You look so
4: frustrated. No, no I, I, was, I was just picking up on the frustration of having to pick between two incredible Red Bull drivers. How oh, on earth do you pick between them? No,
3: and, um, and it's amazing, but, but they're not the same. That's not to say they're the same by any token whatsoever. But if Red Bull have a decent car, this is going to be one of the most explosive partnerships. I mean, how, how do you pick? For me, I'm, I'm erring on the side of... Verstappen is not fully cooked. And if if Red Bull is the championship winning car this season, I think it's going to be Daniel Ricciardo. He has enough, but he might not have in a couple of years.
4: I totally agree, actually. I think that um, Red Bull is in a position where, in my personal opinion, they will have a car that can go up against Mercedes. And having picked Bottas, I was going to say going into this year that Mercedes will win the Constructors' Championship, But a Red Bull driver will win the driver's championship. But now they've gone for Bottas. I'm actually more inclined to think that it will be a Red Bull drivers and constructors championship because of how many points they are likely to score compared to Bottas I just Mm -hmm. think Bottas will make too many mistakes so I genuinely think we could have Red Bull winning both championships this year it's very close and I think it will ultimately come down to a showdown between Dan Ricciardo and Lewis Hamilton and I don't know a single person in (laughs) Formula One who's going to hate that battle it's going to be absolutely incredible I genuinely think Next year, Verstappen will wipe the floor with everybody this year, Ricardo will win.
5: I will actually honestly agree with Jake there, but I would like to see a three way fight this season between Verstappen, Ricardo, and Hamilton because yeah. even though even though that car looks like it's got the nose of an anteater on it where it could potentially suck opponents in front through the nose <laughs> and back past its shark's fin through the DRS slot. It but, it was designed, but it was designed by
4: Adrian Newey, <laughs> so well, there they, you know, go. they know what
5: they're doing. He'll flaunt any sort of potential aerodynamic dynamic excuse loophole in the rule book. But, yeah, I think ricardo has got the measure of Verstappen on this one. Okay, credit to Max for actually jumping in and doing what he did last year. Very credible. But he hasn't got the experience in the team like Daniel has, and I'm going to put the Australian over the Dutchman. Well, I am looking
6: at... Max's Formula 3 uh, performance, and I'm thinking Max, though he proved he has things to learn last season, he is a fast learner. And so I think this is, as Jake put it, this is a situation where it's an incredible driver lineup, almost too hard to choose between them. We obviously know Danny Rick. He 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 is talented across the board. He's smart. And he also thinks, uh, as far as the thing that a team manager looks for, he thinks about scoring points and what does he have to do to maximize his position at the end of the race? I I look at him and that, that just turns me on so much because he, he is an overall great package, but Max is very smart and he's very creative uh, and very courageous. And as we saw, they're changing the rules uh, for him just because of his creativity under breaking, for instance, He reminds me a little bit of um, a lot of people say the way he works in traffic and stuff of Hamilton, obviously, and and there is that. But he also reminds me of of Alonzo in that Alonzo has that that level of intelligence about approaching the game. And I noticed it was Alonzo that recognized what Max was doing and practically complimented him at it, even though a lot of people saw it as dangerous and rightly so. Yeah, I just... I am very curious to see how this battle works out.
3: Mm-hmm. The, the real reason I have Ken on is because I can ask him a question and I know I've got enough time to go to the bathroom, refresh my <laughs> drink. Uh, and you know, it's, it's it generally just acts as a, a nice pause of the show. Thank you, Ken. I am joking, of course. The chat room says, Paul right? I'm going Ricardo, Forsaken. Go Danny Rick. Uh, Esteban's going for Max. Sandra. Oh, hello, Sandra Reynolds. Uh, one of the Hamphosi, one of the dedicated Hamphosi. Danny, but if he gets beat by Max, he will Go. Interesting. Paul Wright, yes, banners. Rick is a bit more polished and has similar speed, more consistent to Ray Parker. Max, I wish it would be Daniel, but it will be Max. Uh, Yeah, block capitals. What's that with the yelling? All right, let's go to the tiebreaker. Let's go to the tiebreaker of the quiz. The only person uh, eliminate Ken, I did try. try. I gave you like double points on questions, but it is between the three. Let's just do elimination, okay? You get a question wrong, you're out. Jake Sanson, what's the lowest Unused number in Formula One.
4: The lowest unused number.
3: That's what I said.
4: I'm gonna go with 42. It's 48. So oh.
3: if the other, if the other two, if the other two get it wrong as well, you're saved. Actually, look, I, I didn't stitch you up, but that is definitely the hardest of these three. I, di- I honestly didn't mean it to be like that. Right? Okay, let's go to. <laughs> Yeah. Let's go to Ryan. What is the highest number ever entered into an F1 race?
7: 99 by uh, Adrian Sutil because he
3: goes to the max. Interesting. 208 for Leila Lombardi in 1974 <sighs> yeah. for Brabham at the British Street yeah. GP, but it didn't race. It never no. raced. Therefore, the highest number to race was ninety-nine for Adrian Sutil. That's oh. a pretty hard question, and I think uh, you've done really well there, Ryan. So Ryan is in the box seat, and uh, let's see if Alex Goldsmith can usurp him at the very last in twenty fourteen. Who finished second on the track, but w- in Australia, but was later disqualified for an technical in- for a. Bleh, for It's getting late. For a technical infringement.
5: It wasn't was, Daniel Ricciardo by <laughs> it chance, was,
3: was it? was, and you remain in the shootout. Oh, Jake, very unlucky. That was such a hard question. Uh, so then, let's go to... Uh, you will both answer this, true or false. True or false. Mark Webber never finished on the podium at his home Grand Prix. Ryan and Alex, give me your true or false. Go on, Alex, you go first. Be brave. True. Ryan? Uh, I'm going to go True. Ah. Mark Webber never finished on the podium at his home Grand Prix. That's true. His best finish was fourth. True or false? Paston Maldonado retired from four out of his five opening races of the season. Who fancies it? Ryan? True. Ryan's going true. Alex, you are going to gamble or stay safe? I'm going to go true as well, I think. Well, there we go. Well, I've only got one question left. True or false? Damon Hill is the only driver to carry the number zero. Oh, no, true, true. Ryan's going true. Alex, what are you going I'm going, going for? true
5: on that one as well.
3: It's going true. Okay, uh, Ryan, what number am I thinking of?
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: where we're going now.
4: That's where the, we're going now.
3: The number you are thinking of is between <laughs> zero and 100. <laughs> what number am I thinking of? All right, then. So I've got to think of an F1-related qu- question all by myself okay then here no, we go i've got one
4: go, for, got it, one. go for it jake go for it be quizmaster go i've got it okay in which city did benetton launch their 1996 formula 1 car okay and before you interrupt whoever gets the geographically closest
3: place name will be the winner i may have to get google maps up oh say a city alex it's not the nobel prize it's not who wants to be a millionaire it's Missed Apex Podcast, available on iTunes and your podcatcher of choice. At Stop Apex, Stop plugging F1. while I'm trying to
5: think. <laughs> Follow me at
3: Spanners Ready and SpannersReady.com. Listen to my personal podcast about my kids and uh, what I think about stuff, Spanners Log.
5: It's like this, I'm but gonna more go, I'm, of me. I'm, I'm going to go with Barcelona, just as a gut feeling. Ryan. Uh, I want to say...
3: You had the same thinking time as Alex. You don't have to start thinking know, again.
4: Um...
7: Uh, uh, I want to say Switzerland. No, London.
4: London. Who's closer, Jake? It was like Tunisia or something, right? I can tell you that the closest geographically was Alex Goldschmidt. <laughs> because <laughs> the, in... Benetton, uh, the Benetton of 1996 was launched in Taormina on the island of Sicily. So Goldschmidt was the closest.
5: I, I, I had a feeling it was either going to be Spain or Italy. So I thought I'd go with the... I thought I'd go with the the Spanish equivalent, just just as a caution, because I wasn't too sure it was going to be right going for Italy. Oh, no. Oh,
3: hang on. A bit of a steward's inquiry. Paul Wright says Alex is clearly Googling.
2: No! What? he's an honest
3: man he's an honest man chat room we'd never have that congratulations guys thank you for staying uh, with us in Mistake and overrunning uh, by half an hour I appreciate you all staying on I appreciate your patience listeners for listening to us uh, every two weeks and allowing us to have those those weeks in between I'm not sure we'd have really filled every other week I know some some other podcasts kind of beat it over the head in the off season and start talking about hockey or their favourite chocolate or some such thing. But if you want to find out my opinions on that kind of thing, why not listen to Spanner's Log, now available on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Jake, Downforce Radio has a new partner. Please take twenty seconds to talk about them before we get out of here.
4: Well, we've got several new partners, but the most prominent ones we have at the moment are Clapham North, uh, based down in London, in the UK. Uh, fantastic group of people. They're funding us all through the year, as well as uh, sponsoring the BRSCC Mazda MX-5 Super Cup and racing in it uh, with George Grant. And also, Trade Price Cars, uh, based down in Wickford in Essex with their race driver, Dan Kirby, who you can see in the British Touring Car Championship paddock, racing in the Geneta Super Cup races just before the BTCC races in 2017. We love you all. Thank you so much for being with us this year make sure you tune into to downforce
3: radio the nation's motorsport station and find everything i do at spannersready.com. i'll see you in a week or two but until then remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory that lasts forever this was missed apex I have to say that Goldie not headbanging along to that was unbecoming of a Missed Apex quiz winner.
5: Well, well all, ah! I'm gonna, all I'm going to say is I was quite impressed because you went a bit Metallica there, mate. <laughs> yeah, really, really impressed with that one.
3: I don't know. No, yeah. I don't understand this kind of heavy rock music, to be honest. My
5: wife tells well, me all about but, it. But... You're going to have to YouTube some stuff then, mate, and really get yourself... You're going to have to grow your hair out. I mean, I remember when... relax I tell you yeah. what I need to do.
3: I need to follow, in fact, the band that provided that music, which was at Fallen into Flux, who happened to have a new album out.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices.